Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of Off the Record with Randall. Well, in the past, I've had nine-year-old baseball experts. I've had guys smoking butts. I named River City with its own girl. And tonight, I have a man that smoked a butt, thinks he's nine years old, and one of my best friends in the world. What's going on, Howie? Hey, Randall. How's everything going, man? Oh, man, it's uh, we've been talking about doing this. And just so everybody knows, this was not even the subject we discussed doing earlier today. We were going to do All Elite Wrestling, which I think at some point we will do. Uh, but it was kind of like uh, we're just so close removed from the draft. Schedule drops tomorrow. Uh, yes. That's correct. Okay. Yes. And we will go over that later on in the uh, in the hour. Um, the other thing, uh, man, I've got the wrong branding on our show. Let me see if I can get uh, Chappie's Fantasy Chat is going to get. No, there we go. We ain't going to promote Chappie right now. Hold on. <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's let's promote. Uh, let's promote iLogic for a minute. And the banner will promote, will promote Chappie down in the banner. So, um, I, if everybody was wondering, yes, I just walked in the door and we started the show. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, a lot coming off of it. Howie and I, both wearing it, both support it. Uh, Howie, that's a, that's a good place to start. It's not the first question I said I was going to ask you, but we'll get to the next one and you can talk a little longer, but. How did you become a Falcons fan? Because I I know what with me it was, it's been a lifetime. So, uh, where did it start for you? It started for me when I was growing up. I was a big Cowboys fan. Danny White, Tony Dorsett, <clears throat> Everson Walls, you know the whole cast. Um, but we couldn't get them on TV here. You know, back in the day, we had an antenna that would only pick up six channels three out of Huntsville three out of Chattanooga and so we was limited on who we could watch and it was like every week <clears throat> regardless of who we wanted we ended up watching Atlanta Falcons and so if you watch something long enough and see something long enough you're either going to hate it or love it and I end up loving and loving the Falcons and so I still like the Cowboys I just if they're a little bit closer I might have uh you know I might go watch them play but uh that, that is how I ended up watching and loving the Falcons is because I had to watch them every Sunday because that's the only thing we had on TV to watch football. What, were they good when you started with them? Um, no, unfortunately, okay. no. They, they, they wasn't real good because they were in the uh, crazy division uh, set up as far as they were in the, I believe they were called the West, NFC West right. with the 49ers, Rams, and um, – was it Saints? I can't remember who, who the other one it was. was. The Saints has always been in our division, yes. Okay, so it would be Rams, 49ers, and Saints. And, of course, uh, that was when the 49ers was in their glory day with Joe Montana and um, uh, Jerry Rice and Roger Craig and that whole bunch, Dwight Clark. So, uh, you know, we knew twice a year there was going to be a whipping that we was going to see on a Sunday. And then, uh, you know, other than that, the other two in the division is kind of a coin flip as far as if they'd win or not 
Right. So we, we kind of much knew that, you know, if we had a six-win season, that was kind of like our Super Bowl because it wasn't extremely good back then. Well, and that's funny, Howie. It's, um, and I don't know that we've ever talked about this. When I was a little boy, it was prior to Danny White. It was the Roger Stallback era. Right. And I switched to the Falcons in probably the fifth or sixth grade from the Cowboys, which was everybody's team. Uh, right. Now, I, I, I don't root for the Cowboys now. I, I, I hate them. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I, went, I came to the Falcons in 77, 78, 79, and they were pretty good. I made the playoffs, won a playoff game. It was the Grits Blitz. It was Steve Barkowski, William Andrews, Lynn Kane, Billy White Shoes Johnson. But we as Falcon fans have been through a lot of hard times. But we got to share something, and we'll get more about the draft in just a second. We got to share an experience a few years ago that is my fondest memory in the NFL. And we kind of went together. You have season tickets. You're a PSL owner. But you uh, opened up a seat for me for the 2017 playoff run all the way to the Super Bowl. Yes. And that is the most special memory I have of the NFL in my life. And uh, I still remember our friend Jam up dancing on the old Georgia Dome exit (laughs) after after we won the NFC championship game. But, man, was that a good run. And I'd seen a Super Bowl, but I'd never seen an NFC championship game. And that um, championship game we had – uh, was it Seattle? It was. And, and Ludacris was up behind us with Sierra, and we had been there all day. That was oh, a don't, special Don't forget about run. my favorite. Don't forget about my favorite. Usher was up there as well. Usher was up there. Chad took his own. Usher and suddenly just discovered. Yeah, that's who, uh, who Jamon was dancing to was Sierra and them. Okay. Because we was that. already – yeah, yeah. He was, he was dancing to them, so uh, – but yeah, that that was a great playoff, a great season. You know, it was the last year in the Georgia Dome. Yeah. And, you know, that that was a great way. You know, not many, not very many uh, uh, teams can actually say, hey, we shut down a stadium with a win on the last game. Right. Because usually that don't happen. You know, so, um, <laughs> you know, it, uh, it happened that year. And uh, I agree with you, man. I've never seen you as nervous before a game. It was um, horrible. I was trying to get you to go do this and do that. He's like, he's like, man, just leave me alone. I'm just ready for the game to start. I'm nervous. Leave me alone. I, so, I, I was, I was a mess. I mean, <laughs> I wanted, and, and you know, we all know what happened in the Super Bowl, but I wanted to win that Super Bowl so badly and get there. But I mean. I think I was at Tennessee's 98 national championship game. And I think I was more nervous at the Falcons game because going into the national championship game, I felt like my goal was accomplished by getting there. Right. But with the Falcons, I felt like if you don't win this, it's all been for nothing. And for some reason that year, we just went to a bunch of games together. Matt Mm -hmm. Ryan won an MVP and it was, Wow, was it something? So, 
Um, you know, I don't know if you remember or not, but I'm sure you do. You know, we walked around. Unfortunately, they had the stage and everything, trophy presentation on the other end. We right. ended up walking over there and, you know, getting a little closer view of everything that went on. And, you know, I've, I've never experienced anything like that. I've been to several playoff games that Atlanta has hosted there, but uh, nothing like that championship game. It was uh, unbelievable. No, it was. And then – then come back a couple years later, we got to experience something together that that few people get to do other than Dallas and Detroit. <laughs> and, you know, we right. just happened to get the once-in-the-lifetime uh, Falcons hosting a Thanksgiving game. That was super – to me, it was special because I grew up watching the Falcons – our playoff – or not playoff, but Thanksgiving Day Super Bowl – our football. And right. – uh I still, I'm still thinking about losing the Super Bowl. I swear, that's all that's going through my head right now. But I grew up with Thanksgiving Day football, and we ate turkey in the stadium. Yeah. Uh, we tailgated at a Shoney's uh, buffet. All you can eat right. turkey. It was good. Believe it um, or not, it was, it was probably one, a other than a home cooked meal. That was probably one of the best meals I think I've ever had. I, it was, and I don't know if it was just the excitement of the game or if it was that good. But it certainly, I remember to this day that I was like, I, I, I need to go. I need to go to a Shoney's again. So, right. um, but that was uh, a lot of fun. And I got it. I got some stuff shared. Uh, we'll stop sharing stuff now. And we'll just get into the heart of this broadcast. Um, we wanted to talk about the Falcons in relative to the 21 season, just to, just to look back on 20, Howie, it was a tough year to be a Falcons fan. And it seemed like I've heard so many people say, oh, the defense was horrible. This was horrible. It was so frustrating. We we had so many games won that would have changed the whole dimension of our season. And then it just fell apart. Uh, the, the game, Todd Gurley scores the huge lead at Dallas. It just seems like circumstances you don't even expect to lose a football game with. What were uh, your impressions of the season? Um, The Falcons created new ways to lose games. If it was a way to lose it, they done it, and then they they ran out of those ways to lose, (laughs) so they just created their own ways to lose. The onside kick uh, in Dallas, the... uh, the huge lead they had at home against Chicago that they gave up. Um, you know, it, it was just, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of people made excuses or this or that, you know, and a lot of it falls back. You know, a lot of, a lot of people says it's the offense, but if you're scoring 30 points a game, you should be winning. And so, um, you know, the defense didn't get a stop when they needed it on a lot right. of those times. And, you know, Part and of Todd it. Gurley just falls down. Right. Yeah, you know, that's why I was freaking say if the offense would just get one or two first downs when they had the ball at the end of the game. But, you know, it's still up to the defense to do their job as well. And a lot of times they didn't. Well, um, it it was a tough year. So if you lose right. my feed for a minute um, while you're answering the question, think nothing of it. My camera is going to have to go off and go online. But. Howie, let's start, and I've prepared you for this. Let's start with last week. What is your impression of the draft? 
Well, I, I feel like it was a great draft for the Falcons, and it was one that they actually, you know, yeah, they did address some of their needs, but also on the flip side, they actually went with the best player available, which hasn't happened for them in several years. And I heard uh, the GM talking. They, he had a special thing for members only last night for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, like what kind of like what we're doing now. And he said that all his decisions and all Smith, uh, Coach Smith's decisions will be for the best of for the best of the team to better the team, regardless of what it is, whether it be free agency, you know the. I'm sure we'll get into it, but the rumor going around Atlanta is Julio may not be there when the season starts. I know that's breaking news for people, but uh, but you know, but overall, back to the draft, you know, you look at the number one pick. He said that <clears throat> he did say that they did talk to every team, and there wasn't a good enough trade to trade out of that four spot to give up a Kyle Pitts. Did do we need a tight end? Not necessarily. But he could be one of those players that comes around once in a decade. So you right. got to jump on it when you get a chance. But we also address some needs. And with the needs being out there, some of those needs were the best available players, too. So it, it worked, you know, worked great for us. I, I really I like the draft. We won't get into the weeds on it, but we'll we'll start just to touch on it. Um, I thought you have a generational talent possibly in Kyle Pitts. Right. And, you know, it really came down, don't you feel, that that Fontenot, and I think I'm saying that right, Fontenot. That, and, that's why I just called him GM because I wasn't sure how to really pronounce it. Terry, GM Terry, how about that? GM Terry. And then Coach Smith, yeah. uh, that's an easy one. Uh, I feel like they think Matt Ryan has three to five years. Yes two to four if you want to get conservative. And it, the the logical thing, I think this draft proved the Falcons want to win now. And I think this draft yes. says, we're going to give a shot with what we have right now. Was that your impression too? Yeah, I mean, it's just like you said a while ago. We were in many, many of those games, and like we've talked, you know, Texan talked about in the past, we could have easily been eight and eight, nine and six last year if, you know, a play here and a play there. So, you know, we wasn't far from being a playoff team and we addressed some of those needs on the defensive side through the draft and a few free agents that could put us over the top. Well, and a, a lot of folks were like, oh, and, and Dallas did. Uh, to Dallas, Dallas's credit, they went almost 100% um, defensive draft, but you know, I didn't feel, and I, I don't think as a, a fan or someone that goes to a lot of game, I didn't feel like that defense was as bad as it showed. And we've talked about a couple of times, there was a lot of dysfunction on that coaching staff on the decent defensive side of the football. Can you break right. down that what 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 we've heard and rumored? But I guess it's pretty well Dan Quinn himself kind of said it himself a couple of times. Yeah, um, the last year year or two, you know, he's tried to put his fingerprints on the defense, and it is his defense. And he actually tried to make some changes to a defense that he's never done before because he's always been the 4-3 defense at Seattle and with Atlanta. Then he's tried to convert over to a 3-4, and I think that's what uh, 
Dallas is going to run under him this year. But the last year or so, what had happened was he had a defensive coordinator, quote-unquote, but it was actually defensive coordinators by a, a grouping because he had one guy calling first and second down defenses, and he had another guy calling third down defenses. So, you know, to me, it's kind of like, you know, we're both, for people who may not know it, we're both kind of hefty guys, so we like to eat. So let's use this comparison of uh, you got one cook that starts cooking and gets three-fourths of the way done, then all of a sudden you bring somebody else in to try to finish it up. So it may not be as good. Uh, so, exactly. You know, so that, you know, that was the big rumor coming in, you know, coming out of Atlanta. You know, at one point he was technically the defensive coordinator and then he fired himself. Yes. And hired somebody else in and then uh, put him supposedly in charge of it. But then uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but it ended up being Raheem Morris being the actual, I think, the third down coordinator. So, you know, it, not necessarily, you know, who knows? They, they, they might not have been on the same game plan, you know, and it could have, it could easily cost you games. A hundred percent. And, and you actually saw that. I feel like in the games, if you, once you knew that fact and you would see what they tried to do on first and second down, and then you would see what they tried to do on third down, it didn't make sense. The one time it felt like the defense had a little cohesion is when he just really turned it over to Raheem Morris, but, but then he couldn't leave it alone. He had to meddle with it again. And once he did that, it just never felt to have any uh, rhythm. Uh, it almost continuity. Schemed. Yeah, continuity is a great word. So yeah, you know, I you know, as you said, I, I went to uh, eight of the games over the last couple of years, and the one thing you kind of don't see on TV that you can see in person is. To me, the players couldn't get into a rhythm because they were swapping them in and out, left and right, and they'd play one play, be out of play or two, and then put them back in. And you can't get a rhythm to a game if you're in and out every other play. Right. And, and t- players would disappear completely. Uh, yeah, we talked you know, a lot about DeAndre Sint. was a third-round pick two years ago that just disappeared, played a lot his rookie year, just disappeared off the face of the earth last year. He was inactive for, I think, uh, off, you know, not 100% sure, but I think he was inactive for about 14 of the games this past year, maybe 13, 14 games. How can you get any rhythm going on? How, how can you get a flow of the game? You know, the only one that they kept out there on a regular basis, well, not the only one, but the three that they kept out there was Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, and Keanu Neal were the three that stayed out there on the field more than anybody, I think, on the defensive side. Right. And so everybody else, you know, you linemen, I mean, back in the day, did you ever see Lawrence Taylor take a down off? You know, um, some of the other great defensive people, uh, John Randall, did he ever take a playoff? You know, I don't know if it's conditioning. I don't know what the deal was, but they, they were swapping <laughs> defensive linemen in and out like crazy. And I, I just feel like they couldn't get a rhythm to the game. Right, right. And and the offense played well at times. I think the Todd Gurley experiment was probably a year too late. Um, yeah. I mean, Gurley is a old 27 or 28. I mean, he's just not the same back he was. And 
we all had hope that he would be, but he just wasn't the same back. Julio's Julio. Calvin Ridley's Calvin Ridley. Right. Probably didn't get as much out of Hayden Hurst as we thought we should. Um, and 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 again, Hayden Hurst is still on this team, but his option for his fifth year has been turned down. So it's obvious that next year, whatever role he has, he's probably gone at the end of next year. Of course, you spend a fourth overall on Kyle Pitts. You right. kind of understand. Offense, though, I mean, average high 20s, uh, never really outside of a couple of situations stunk the place up. Uh, had a really bad game against the Saints. Uh, we were there for that one. Or no, <laughs> you were there. I wasn't there. Uh, I'm confused in years in 2019. But um, really, just the offense can be good. And I guess that's our, our moving point to start towards this year. The first thing I want to ask you about, and let's start here. Schedule releases tomorrow. Schedule, is very, to me, is very manageable. Mm-hmm. Of course, you play the Bucks twice. You play the Panthers twice. You play the Saints twice. Right. You play at home. You get the Eagles, and uh, you get the Lions. Well, the- I mean, basically, basically, you're going to go against the NFC East, or I mean, oh, excuse me, the NFC East. So you know that the only team in there that's could show up, you know, would be the Cowboys only because. <laughs> You know, they got their offense coming back, but it looks like they're going to have a whole new defense. So you don't know how quick they're going to jail. So right. if you get them early, if you could get them early on, then, you know, that would be a quick, that could be a a, a win right there if you get them early right. in the season. Now, later on in the year, it could be a whole different story because that team could jail pretty quick because I don't know if you noticed this or not, but talking about the Cowboys for a second, their secondary is the Falcons secondary from last year. Yeah. Yeah, KZ what, and Neil both signed. Yes. And you know what I also noticed in that division? I, I really like the Washington football team coming in the year. And, and we get we get Washington and Dallas on the road. No, uh, no, no. We got Washington at home, Dallas on the road. Washington at home, Dallas at the road. Okay. And we're on the uh, road at the Giants. And on the road at the Giants. So. Right. Uh, Okay. The million-dollar question with Washington, will Fitzpatrick be the quarterback that time we see him? Will Jalen Hurt still be the quarterback when we get him in uh, whatever part of the year? Well, you could really – you know, I've heard reports that the coach of Philadelphia, which I don't, I can't think of his name right now, but he's not committing to Jalen Hurts being the starting quarterback. Yeah. He said I've it's going to be a competition. Same. So, you know, who knows who's going to be the quarterback of the Eagles by that time. You do get, uh, unfortunately, you get Buffalo, Josh Allen. Um, mm-hmm. You're going. We're going to get on the road, Trevor Lawrence. Probably, you'd expect him to be the starter. Right. Two that are fascinating to me is New England and San Francisco, both drafting quarterbacks in the first round. Do we see Cam Newton or do we see Mac Jones? Do we see Jimmy G or do we see Trey Lance? I feel like we probably see Jimmy G next year unless it's late in the year and the uh, the Niners are out of the playoffs. I really I, think there's a chance we could see Mac Jones next year. 
I got a feeling we're going to see both of them next year. Because really? San, Francisco, San Francisco has got a team right now that they're wanting to win right now. Nothing against Jimmy G, but A, will he stay healthy? And B, he's kind of inconsistent. You know, so if you can get somebody out, I hate to say this, and people hate hearing stuff like this, but if if he can be, a, not Jimmy G, but the rookie, uh, if he can be a game manager, you know, with that defense they got, they could go quite a ways. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So to break it down, Eagles, Washington football team, Patriots, Saints, Lions, Jets, Panthers, Bucks at home, Dallas, New York, Buffalo, the Dolphins, San Francisco, New Orleans, the Panthers, the Bucks, and the Jags on the road. So there's a realistic shot of us seeing Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, Sam Darnold, yeah. Tua, Trey yeah. Lance, and Trevor Lawrence. All great young under two year quarterbacks. But you, in the NFL, you kind of got to like that. Hey, I'd take them now before. You certainly would prefer that to playing Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, uh, you know, the, 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 the elite. So it well, is a last there's one that you kind of forgot to mention, and that could be who will the Saints quarterback be? Taysom Hill? Yeah. Or will or it be James Winston? Yeah. yeah, good point. Good point. I I seem to think it's going to be Jameis Winston, but I don't know if we know until it comes that time. And so we could it, actually face uh we'll face Brady twice. Um uh Tua once, uh Allen once, and then um not sure how the recovery for the Cowboys quarterback. I don't know why he's slipping my name. I know Prescott. Yeah. But we could be facing all new quarterbacks at all these new teams. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting because you felt like last year we just ran into hot football teams right. at the wrong time. So uh, the schedule, now we could lose a home game because mm-hmm. we are playing in one of the international games. So we could right. end up, and, and we've added a road game. So you could end up with seven home games, one international game, and nine road games, which a little different, but it yeah. is what it is. So, uh, but any luckily we've only got uh, one trip to the West Coast. Everything else is Central East. So you know that's always a big plus when you don't have to go to the West very very much. You know the only I, West team we'll play before the Forty ers So everything else will be basically East Coast. Yeah, yeah, that's another good point. Uh, yeah, one game, one four o'clock game. It looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who so, knows that you know that could be that could be a Thursday night game or a Monday night game or something. So it may not even really affect them at all. So let's talk about the strengths and the weakness of this team. We think it's putting together. Now I wrote down mine. Let me get your gut impression. I gave the team two strengths, uh, one being, I think, obvious, wide receiver and tight end. If you keep Julio, it's an A-plus easily. 
And even without Julio, it's still the strength of this football team. Absolutely. You know, they've got receivers and receivers on top of receivers because, um, you know, we were bringing people off the – seemed like they were bringing people off the streets to run and go routes, and Matt Ryan's just throwing it up and they're running underneath the ball there, you know. Um, but they've got several receivers that are coming back this year that was there last year. It's been there for two or three years. So uh, you, you would hope that Ryan's got that continuity with those guys, you know, working with them. Uh, Zacchaeus got hurt uh, late in the season last year. I think he could be a contributor. You know, you got Russell Gage. Russell Gage could be a number two at any other team, but with this team right now, he's a three. Um, you also got, um, of course, you got some guy named Jones that does pretty good every once in a while, and then you got the Ridley kid too. So uh, wide receivers, they're very strong on, and you know, it, some of those guys, all you got to do is just throw the ball up. They're going to go after it. They're going to catch it. So, uh, you know, and and far as I know, every one of them is willing to go across the middle. That's something you don't you don't hear superstar receivers that's willing to do very often. But, you, you know, they're willing to go across the middle and catch that ball if they have to. So I rated this group as an A-plus with Julio. Without Julio, I said they were an A-minus. Is that yeah. in your head what it sounds like to you? Yeah, I agree. You know, and I keep on uh, – we've talked several times, and I keep on harping about this, but Cordell Patterson could be slipped out there every once in a while as wide receiver too, you know. And, I thought I had Tennessee hat on for a second. <laughs> but with that, you know, with his size and everything, you know, he could be a great asset as far as, a, you know, as a wide receiver as well. Moving run that to slip the, string, you know, run a slip screen to him. And, you know, that's basically like him being a punt returner. Absolutely. Hey, Cordell, the, his issue has never been his, – his issue has never been – that he wasn't a good enough athlete to play in the NFL or anywhere. It's been he's just not a natural wide receiver, and yeah. he's got about two routes he could run. Interesting. We'll talk about him more in a minute down here in the razor thin area. Right. But um, I rate it quarterback as a strength, and I'm not just rating off of Matt Ryan. I really think the sign of A.J. McCarron was a perfect backup for Atlanta. One, he's semi-local, very popular. Yes. And, and like Schaub, kind of has the same game as Matt Ryan. It made sense to me. And then a uh, third quarterback, and he could be a guy that's off the roster next year. But you definitely signed an undrafted free agent with all the talent in the world with Filippo Fra uh, Franks. He can right. throw the ball a mile. He's 6'6", six, six, huge arm. Had a great year at Arkansas after leaving Florida. I gave this group a strength. I think it really is a strength of the team. I would probably rate it a B, a solid B. Yeah, yeah. You know, A.J. McCarron, I liked A.J. McCarron ever since he was at Alabama. Um, you know, I think he's hit, just had a bad luck. And, and by being, you know, he was – Drafted by Cincinnati, which already had uh, uh, Big Red up there. And uh, then he ended up going to uh, Oakland and being behind David Carr. Seemed like everywhere he's went, he's been behind a superstar quarterback. Right. But I think I think he could be actually a good quarterback in the NFL if someone would give him a chance. But he's getting – I mean, he's not very old, but quarterback standards, he is kind of getting up in age a little bit. So him coming in, I think, was a great – 
a great signing because Famous Taken got him at league minimum, so it didn't really hurt on the salary cap. And you know that's one thing that we're struggling with the salary cap. But anyway, it's a uh, and like you said, Franks could be a X factor. He could be on the practice squad just to be ready to step in if he needed to. He definitely makes the football team. They're only carrying three quarterbacks. Right. So you give him a year to just be part of the program and just see if see if he can. Um, right. But but I mean on game day it's probably McCarron and Ryan Dressen and Franks is your emergency quarterback. All right. The other area that I gave a strength or could be a strength, and I'm gonna rate it I'm gonna rate it a B minus, above average by the end of the year. And that's the defensive line. And <laughs> we're thinking the same thing. I was that's who I was thinking of as you uh, describing that. So that's who I was thinking defensive line. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the names out there for the folks listening. That's going, oh my lord! But I mean, here is who I think makes the team at the defensive line uh, position. I think, of course, Grady Jarrett makes the team. Marlon Davis makes the team. Yeah, Marlon (laughs) Davis makes the team. DeAndre Sent makes the team. Tyler Davidson makes the team. Tequan Grant makes the team. John Kaminsky makes the team. And Mingo, the free agent signing, as an outside linebacker, makes the team. And also at an outside linebacker, Dante Fowler makes the team, who are really your rush ends when you want to put pressure on the job on the on on, on the passer. Right. Howie, that's not a bad group. Once you put all the names together and see the role, Fowler right. and Jared, Grady Jared are stars in this league. Fowler had a yeah. bad year last year, but they're stars in this league. Don't right. that's this group underperformed last year and can surprise a lot of people. Yeah, you know, on the you sent me a list of the potential players and depth chart and all that. You know, they don't even have DeAndre Snod on here. Yeah, you know, I just not realize that, but he's not on there. And he didn't, you know, I don't feel like he got a fair shake over, you know, the last year because of, you you know, Marlon Davidson went down for a while with a, uh, I think it was a knee or something. He was out for a little while. And we thought, okay, they'll let him go in and take his place. Well, it wasn't him, it's somebody else. I think he could make the team. I think he'd be a big impact player. You put him and Grady side by side. If nothing else, it takes a half a day of running around both of them. As big as right, they right. You know. They could be that uh, Vince Wilfork type uh, player that the uh, Patriots had back in their Super Bowl run that just clogged up the middle, right? And could put pressure up the middle if need to, you know. And uh, but all the other players, you know, I expect a breakout season for Dante Fowler this year because he went on record as saying last year after last year of saying I had my worst season ever. I got to redeem myself, right? And somehow they worked it out where. He took a pay cut. He somehow they they worked out because he felt like he under contributed and he wants to work for it. You don't see that very often in professional no. professional sports. You know, I, it was kind of shocking what he did, to be honest with you. And and you know, it showed that he wanted to be in Atlanta. 
this was a guy two years ago that could have probably got on the free agent market that would have made a bunch of money. Right. Yeah, exactly right. And he just wanted to come back to Georgia. He wanted to be in Georgia. Right. I think he's from Georgia. I think he's got family in Georgia. And, uh, you know, so he just wanted to come back. He wanted to play, and he's disappointed. Of course, you know, no, you can't really make excuses, but here's the thing as far as last season, it was a new experience for everybody because of the pandemic that went on. Oh, so yeah. how much did that play into the effect of some of these players? Well, while we're there, that's a great question. We, did, we should have asked you earlier. Uh, I set out. And uh, I made a decision because of some health issues that were a little different than yours. Uh, I didn't go to a Tennessee game. I didn't go to a Falcons game. I, I did high school games when I could be in a press box away from everybody. I, it was really strange watching on TV to see the Georgia Dome that empty. What was it like for you guys in the Dome? And tell us what getting in and out of the game was like. It, it wasn't as fun, to be honest. You don't have the same people sitting around well, you that you, you normally have. you didn't have me. You didn't have me. That's, <laughs> that's the problem to start with right there. Right. You didn't have Anna Lee. That's another problem. Abs absolutely. Um, you know, we, don't, we didn't have the same people sitting around us that we normally did, and you didn't have nobody close to you to actually talk about the game unless it was the people that you was with because they had everybody – social distance so much the, the whole row in front of you was empty <clears throat> the whole row behind you was empty and then like three or four seats down beside you was empty as well so there was nobody close by uh after a score after a turnover or something like that you couldn't there's really nobody to high five celebrate with uh they to and that in my is opinion such a huge part of the game yes yes in my opinion they did a fantastic job as far as keeping everybody social distance um, in and out of the stadium. They got a new procedure there now where it's uh, they do a full body scan of you when you walk through so you don't have to take nothing out of your pockets. <clears throat> they just scan everything. If they say something kind of iffy, they'll pull you to the side. So it was getting in and out real quick. There wasn't a, uh, a cluster of people there trying to get in at one time. But also they only had like 7,000 people in the stadium at once. Uh, right. They had, they had security and people walk around constantly telling you put your mask on unless you're eating or drinking something yeah and, you um, you said that if you stopped drinking like you had it in your hand they would walk up and say you're not drinking right. and eat and put your mask on absolutely and uh you know so uh they lower the prices of everything so i was going to the concession stand every quarter and buying something and kind of <laughs> 300 pounders maybe <clears throat> yeah I, I probably gained about 10 or 15 pounds during football season just uh eating everything because they you know I don't mind wearing the mask, but I didn't want to the whole time while I was in there. So, uh, you know, I kept on eating and drinking. Uh, it was just totally different atmosphere in there because, like in the, you couldn't tell on TV, but where, you know, they keep the hard camera at is facing the Atlantis bench and everything at the home games. And so that's where all the 7,000 people were at was on that side or in the lower bowl, like from right. about halfway on this about halfway of the end zone around behind the hard camera there there's nobody sitting there they you know they limited the people to uh just being in certain areas and to make it appear that there's more people there than really was but like i said it was like between six and seven thousand people there i just learned that there's a uh setting on this uh 
that mutes my camera without me even knowing it. I couldn't see you and you were talking. I was like, wow, I don't even know if you were seeing me. Um, did, did they, did they close off whole sections or did they two people, six people, two people? I mean, did they just kind of spread everybody out? Yeah, they just spread everybody out. It was a <clears throat> lock on the row that I sat in, which is I wasn't in my regular row, but I was in my regular section. Right. Um, the first four seats was was mine for the whole for the whole year, and then they had like three seats blocked off, and they had like four more opened up, and then three blocked off, four more opened up like that, and it was pretty much like that all the way around the stadium. So uh, they they did try to keep everybody apart as much as possible. So uh, plug real fast here at eight o'clock. It'll be Robbie and Raj and I. Robbie uh, coming in with a sore throat tonight. Got a little got a little sign a little cold going, but he's still going to be there with our normal three hour broadcast. That'll be at the top of there. Uh, we'll finish up here about seven thirty, and then we'll take about a thirty minute break and move on to. 3R Sport. Howie, let's get back now. That's a great breakdown, man. I'm glad you glad you brought that point. Let's let's get to the next area that I, I rate it could be a strength. And this one I'm gonna give a a B minus C plus. It's the it's the area that I think has the talent to be a strength of the team. But boy, we need some stuff to break right. Let's talk about the offensive line. Spent two more draft picks on offensive linemen. Spent yeah. two high picks last year on linemen. We've really overmade that, over overhauled that line. Uh, let Alex Mack walk to uh, San Francisco at the end of the year. The line, to me, it looks. Uh, let me pull up my little cheat sheet here. I had uh, I had the starting offensive line as. Uh, here we go. Uh, let's, uh, Jake Matthews at left tackle. Um, I had Jalen Mayfield winning the left guard starting position. Uh, Matt Hennessy as a center. Right. Lindstrom winning the right guard job. McGarry winning, McGarry winning the left right tackle job that would be basically four new starters from three years ago uh going dolman andrews hardgrave make the team well that's a lot of really high draft picks and and you've got to feel like they've invested and believe in i mean you basically took dolman this year and in the fourth round and you said you're just going to be my backup center and my backup guard do you think the offensive line can be a strength of this team? It can be. Um, you know, you got him, Dolman, as a backup center, which is possible. But Josh Andrews has made the statement, I'm coming in and winning that position. He, he, you know, he had a bad year with the New York Jets last year, which I don't know of uh, very many players that had a good year with the New York Jets last year. But anyway, um, <clears throat> he wants to prove himself. He feels like he's got – What's he saying? He's got more left in the tank. And so he wants to prove himself and come out and get that starting position. So Hennessy, it ain't necessarily just a hand-me-down type deal. 
he's going to have to work and whoever takes it's going to have huge shoes to fill with Alex Mack being gone because like we discussed you know Mack <clears throat> when he first came in he was that nasty dirt I don't call him dirty player but he's the one that would you know he played till the whistle stopped and you heard the echo again you know he would he played till the end and that's what you got to have on the offensive line not just somebody that plays for a few seconds you got to have him play till the very end and Mac did that while he was there but he lost a step or two the last season or two and I, th- I feel like it hurt him a little bit but you know this offensive line it's young uh, and i know it's gonna sound odd it's young but it still could be kind of veteran as well yeah Absolutely. You stand, you still have Matthews, who's a vet yes. that's on that contract to lead mm-hmm. that offensive line. Now And they, they got the Matt Gano Gano too that um he's started several games over the last two or three years if somebody yes. got hurt and, yes. and has done a pretty decent job as well. So uh, there's one group that I moved from my razor thin to my could be a strength to Eh, I'm not sure. And I, and a lot of it has to do with how they played last year. It's really hard for me to look at this secondary and say it could be okay or good. But the safety play last year was and, – and, and I do – I have a lot of respect for uh, O'Neal. He's played off of some injuries. O'Neal – He's came back. He's at Dallas now. But I just feel like that safety down the middle was horrible. And the pick of Richie Grant, I think, could make a huge difference to this secondary. But um, who do you think – it's going to be Terrell and and who do you think – I guess Terrell – uh, Grant. They've, done, they've already said Oliver will be a – uh, Oliver's going to be a nickel cornerback. Okay. They love his play. They pretty much said that that's what he's going to be doing. They love his inside play. So as far as cornerback, it's got to be Terrell or uh, maybe in Moreau. Maybe Moreau. Maybe maybe one of the rookies come in and just plays lights Hall. out and does it. You know, Hall or Williams one. You know, and okay. then uh, could could Williams be the famous famous kid out of uh, yeah, he's one out of Boise State that's a special team specialist as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, could he be a – I'm not comparing him to this player or saying he is this player, but could he be maybe a second coming or a baby primetime coming in, being able to be a shutdown corner slash punt returner? Okay. Now, could he be? The, I, don't, I don't know, you know. You don't know until he gets there. Right, and, and you know, and I do like him. I like Jalen Hawkins too. Hmm. I I feel and and you know the the safety they drafted. Um, I feel like Oliver at the at the nickel makes sense. Um, you've got to have something out of Hall or Williams, one of the two. Right. It's got to be your backup corner. Then you move over to safety, and the team didn't have a lot of money, but they did spend a little money on Deron Hamden. All right. Harmon, right. drafted Grant, Eric Harris is back there, and then you got Hawkins who they 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 picked up, and T.J. Green, and you got to think it's 
if they spent money on Harmon, it's probably Grant and Harmon at safety. And, you know, that's such a better combination of safeties than last year, in my opinion. Well, we have discussed this in the past, and it boils down to the defense that they were trying to run last year. It kept Keanu Neal in the box the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. He, He was another linebacker. He... Yeah, he was technically called a safety, but he spent more time in the box than a lot of the linemen did. Yeah. So, you know, and and I'm glad to see that we got basically a whole new secondary when it comes to safeties because of, you know, you, you just don't know, you know, how good could have the Falcons defense been last year if they didn't have two different defensive coordinators, basically. Right. You know, they, they did do better in the second half of the season because it was down to one defensive coordinator. Right. So it leaves two position groups. And, and to me, there's some talent at both of these groups, but I, I don't know if it can afford one injury. I think we got to project people playing a little better than they have. But um, let's start. Let's start with linebacker. And I like the mm. linebackers they have. The problem is I feel like I feel like they're one injury from devastation. Um, let's go with uh, Deion Jones. Right. Uh, Force Day. Mikael Walker, who they picked up last year, Fresno State. Brandon Campbell, Earl Thompson, and, of course, the aforementioned Fowler and and Mingo, who are really rush ends, but they play right. linebacker. But I feel like there's talent in the group, but there's just not a lot of proven good football in that group. I agree with you, but here's one thing that I think that could help this year. If they will let those big defensive linemen, Grady Jarrett, Davidson, Donaldson, or Davidson, Davison, David and Davison, then you know, let them take some of those blockers away where those linebackers can fly to the ball like they're capable of doing. I mean, Deion Jones and Aluakon and Walker, they can fly all over the field. But the problem was was that offensive the opposing offensive line would get to them and block them where they couldn't get to the ball like they needed to. And so maybe this year with the defensive scheme that's going on, maybe that will free them up to be able to fly all around the ball like they're capable of. Right, right. You know, it goes back to that Super Bowl year. Deion Jones had a great season. Absolutely. Why was that? Why was it? Because he had defensive linemen in there as taking up taking up guys, not letting them get to them. And, and you know, uh, I, I feel like D. D. Jones is kind of the, the – if he has a great year, this group will be okay. And I feel like he's he's the guy that kind of it depends on. Now, uh, how before we jump off? Now I know we didn't mention tight ends. We included them in the wide receiver, but we got we both gushed over Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst. That could be a special special thing. Coach Smith gonna play a lot of two, but back we included them. If you're wondering about Pitts, anyone, he was included in our wide receiver group. So the last group we'll break down. We got about we'll, – we'll break them down, Howie, and then real quickly we'll 
we'll give some season predictions and we'll be out of here. Howie's first podcast with me, but I told you this hour would pass fast. He was on our draft day show. We went three hours, and I swear I felt like in three hours we'd been on like an hour. So I, I wasn't uh, sure if I was going to be able to come back or not after getting away the pits, pits pick. Uh, I, you did kill it, man. it, You killed. I let the host give it out. So you killed. See, my, and my dish network's faster than everybody <laughs> else. So I'd always know. I'd have the pit like thirty seconds earlier than everybody, and I'd build the drama and be. And then Howie goes, it fits. Like, <laughs> you killed, you killed my drama, buddy. But I mean, how often do you actually get to pick a potential surefire thing? And, and you got thirty-six people online watching you to scream pits. Um, that was amazing <laughs> night. Um, running back, last place we got to talk about. Spent nine million, I think, seven or nine million on Mike Davis over two years. Had an absolutely great year in Carolina after McCaffrey got hurt. A great year. Uh, went out and spent a little over a mil for uh, Quarterdale Patterson, uh, former Tennessee ball. Has played running back and wide receiver in the NFL, but he is a five-time Pro Bowl return man, so you know he makes the team even as the kickoff returner. But Coach Smith said he signed as a running back 100%. Uh, we have Quadri Elson that was a stay over immediately would shock me cut Ito Smith and Brian Hill walk. Um, well, let's start. And of course, Hawkins, who we picked up in the draft, uh, or I think he was an unsigned free agent from Louisville. Were you surprised we let Ito and Brian Hill both? Kind of go and and Ito was unceremoniously dumped. I, I I really was surprised because I feel like both of those are really good running backs. They the NFL only has a couple of main running backs. Mister Henry, as big and as fast as he is, he will get the respect of being called Mister Henry at the Titans. Uh, you know. Um, Barkley, McCafferty. Right. I mean, uh, that's about Zeke it. That's, yeah. I, yeah those four right there is pretty much it. Alvin Cook. Right. Maybe. Right. Wow. So, you know, I, I was really surprised that – I wasn't really surprised that they let them go because uh, Brian Hill been in and out for the last several years. Um, Ito was drafted about three years ago, I think it was, and I thought he could actually – would be a good running back. But, um, you know, Smith is one of these. He's going to pound the ball, run the ball, pound the ball, run the ball. And then once you get tired of pounding and running the ball, he's going to pound the ball and run the ball some more. So, um, you know, it didn't surprise me that they let those go because they're a little bit smaller backs than probably yeah. what he wanted, you know. So um, uh, GM Terry yesterday on that call, he's, it was uh, asked about, hey, you know, why did we not draft a running back? He said, we had our eyes on some that we knew that wasn't going to get drafted, and we ended up getting them. And that's the uh, well, the kid out of Ball State, Caleb Huntley. Uh-huh. And uh, the other one was, um, I'm looking for him right now. Hawkins, quick. Louisville. Hawkins, Louisville, yeah. yeah. He said, they will open up some eyes this year. He said, they will play, and they will open up some eyes this year. 
So apparently they got who they wanted without actually having to draft them. Uh, you know, in Hawkins, um, he's a smaller back. But when you watched a little bit of film that was available for him on YouTube, he, outside of being small, he was a very effective back. And I really kind of like that. You know, you get him, get him basically free. So uh, that's interesting. So he did say that in uh, he, he the conference that, call. If I ain't mistaken, that was his exact words was, they will open up some eyes. They will be playing come Sunday. So, so do you feel, and we've talked about this, they were insistent that Quarterdale was a running back. But, you know, you have a guy that's 6'3", 220, that runs a 4'4". Uh, he's going to slip out every now and then on a wheel route or a slot route or uh, jet sweep. Yeah, so uh, you get some you get some different looks, but really the money was spent and it was tight money. And the Falcons are salary cap strapped. That Mike Davis was a heavy investment by this team at the, the salary cap level they are, and we've he's compared a- him. I'm sorry, he's not exactly the size of a Derrick Henry, but he's he's a kind of the same type runner as Derrick Henry is. He's 5'9", 220. We've compared him to Michael Turner when we've talked right. about him. At times, you felt like he was the best back in Seattle, and Seattle never was settled on a bike. And then he right. gets to Carolina, and he's happy to sign at Carolina. And to, to the damage of my fantasy team, Christian McCaffrey was out most of the year, and I didn't pick Mike Davis up. He ended up having a real good year and even played well against the Falcons, you know. Um, but you got to also realize he did that damage with a so-so quarterback that, you know, they probably – I didn't watch the line play a whole lot, but they probably just stacked the box, and he's having to run against a – probably a seven, eight man front because yeah. they wouldn't worry about Bridgewater going over the top with them. Well, they certainly got him out of town quickly. So, right. Um, I do like Sam Darnold going to Carolina though. I mean, that, I, I will say that carries uh sorry about that. Everybody, um, been a long day that carries, that kind of surprised me. And I like that for the division, uh, because the division outside of Brady and Ryan, the other two teams is going to, little bit of a state of chaos. So, all right, Howie. I'll, I'll go as far as saying, I'll go as far as saying as uh, both teams are in rebuilding stages as far as New Orleans and Carolina right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and I think Carolina uh, had a good draft. I hate it, New Orleans draft. I don't know if you watched the, uh, the recap. I read it, New Orleans, at the bottom of the division, at one of the worst drafts. I didn't understand the Peyton Turner pick. I didn't understand the Ian Book pick. I really – they made some nice picks, but they there was a couple of picks that just was head-scratching to me. So last minute of the show, Howie, I've had a great time, and we'll bring Howie back. And, folks, you're going to have to indulge me because I try to stay away from the Falcons when I'm doing my normal show, Howie. But uh, just like I tell Chappie every now and then, outside of the Tennessee Vols, I believe the Atlanta Falcons – through and through, and you've seen that. And 
And I, I don't think people realize it that know me, Howie. Um, I love the Vols, and I'm a Tennessee fan, a Tennessee graduate, but God, I love the Falcons. And you've seen me just wrenched with agony over the Atlanta Falcons at times. And last year just tore me up, man. I was heartbroken. It's just like I said earlier, I've never seen you so nervous or um, I don't know what the word was before the championship game back three years ago. I was so and scared to lose for, for for people out there that don't that don't realize this, this man right here, Rand, Randall Cunningham, will wear a jersey to the stadium and then swap jerseys once we get there and put on a different jersey. You know, I got my I got my actual game day on right now. Uh, inside, but the one I wear inside the Georgia Dome or uh, inside the Mercedes bit. Howie, I, I, I hate to break with tradition, and, and I've wore this Matt Ryan. It's still a Reebok, but I think I'm ordering me a Pitts jersey. I'm really excited about Pitts. So, yeah, Pitts. Uh, Pitts is going to be a superstar. We don't have the schedule, but I'm going to have you make a prediction. Do the Falcon? What percentage does the Falcons make the playoffs? Oh, I think it's a seventy uh, percent chance they make playoffs. Seventy. I, I was going to go sixty. And I'm not going to say everybody... they'll win the division. I'm not going to say they'll win the division because as long as you got number TB12 down in Tampa, yeah. it's going to be hard to beat him. But where the playoff format is right now, and the disarray of all the other teams, you know, Atlanta could have a good year this year. I see us sneaking in like 10 and 7, yeah. getting into the playoffs, something like that. It's I'm hard gonna... to get used to saying 10 and 7. Yeah, I know. It's been 10 and 6 forever. So, all right, Howie, for uh, River City Media, off the record with Randall. It's been a great hour. Howie, do you have any final, final thoughts? Just uh, get out and get you some gas before it all gets gone and rise up. Rise up. We'll be back in about a half hour. Thank you, Howie. Hey, thanks, sir. Stay with me.